0: Let's pray. Father God, you have given us your word that we would know you more. That we wouldn't just observe the creation around us and know that there is a God who is infinite, eternal, who is divine in nature. But Lord, we would know the God of creation, the one who set the foundations of the heavens and the earth. The one who spoke to Adam in the garden. The one who desires a relationship with us and has given us that opportunity through your son, Jesus Christ. Your word is good. And so we thank you for it this morning in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. There are certain qualities that make a story exciting, aren't there? You got heroes and villains, and you have a situation that has to be overcome, and the hero works his way through it, right? In in Scripture, we've got all these great accounts. You've got things like David and Goliath, right? The little guy (laughs) overcomes the giant, right? With a sling, and the giant has the big sword and the big spear, and... If you can make it there quickly, go to First Chronicles, chapter 1. This is great. First Chronicles, chapter 1. It says, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Machalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togarma. The sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Rodanim. Should I continue? The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put... Is this the exciting stuff? Surely this is not one of them, right? Uh, Let's face it, there are parts of reading the Bible that at times have bored the best of us. Uh, They are not exciting, they are not even remotely to us, at first, even interesting, are they? Uh, Does it really matter that so-and-so begat anyone? Is it wrong that when I get to these passages of Scripture, I kind of want to breeze through them real quick or or even skip over them entirely? J.C. Ryle had this insight for us in his book entitled Holiness. He says, Now the Lord God is perfect in all his works. He does nothing by chance. He causes no part of the scriptures to be written by chance. In all his dealings, you may trace design, purpose, and plan. There was design in the size and orbit of each planet. There was design in the shape and the structure of the least fly's wing. There was design in every verse of the Bible. There was design in every repetition of a verse, wherever it took place. It has meaning, and we are intended to observe it. Hmm. In the words of God, all scripture is God-breathed and useful. Today, when we think about genealogies, we, we think about something that some people, a few people, a very few people, study for fun. It's a hobby. It's a pastime. And most people aren't that interested in them. Uh, throughout the world, though, at the time of Scripture, genealogies served several social and cultural purposes. They established one's identity in the culture who they are, where they came from. They established credentials for power or property. They would define for the rest of the world around them, the rest of the village, the rest of the town, the rest of the nation. It would confirm perhaps even an inheritance. It's structured. These genealogies structured history. And in the time of so-and-so, such-and-such happened. And -and so-and-so was the son of so-and-so and and the grandson of so-and-so, right? structured history as you read through a genealogy go ahead and open up to the book of Matthew chapter one we I'm going to start at verse 1 I'm going to ask you to stand up in just a second but I just want to explain one more time I, I, I explained this before but I just want to make sure that we all understand we don't stand up to make ourselves holier or as some kind of religious activity we stand up just as a means of reminding ourselves that this book is a little different than reading Tom Sawyer When we read this book, we're reading God's own words. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez, the father of Hezron. And Hezron, the father of Ram. And Ram, the father of Amminadab. And Amminadab, the father of Nashon. And Nashon, the father of Salmon. And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations, from Abraham to David, were fourteen generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations. And from the deportation to Babylon, the Christ, to to the Christ, fourteen generations. Amen. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. I got through all those names and the word two messed me up. (laughs) Following the genealogies of the Old Testament, Matthew again begins with a genealogy. And we we just got to ask ourselves, what is Matthew doing here? Why begin this way? Our passage today serves all the purposes of a genealogy of the time. This is legal documentation that gives legitimacy to Jesus as a person in the structured history of Israel, establishing his identity through his family line and his credentials to claim the titles of Messiah and King. What does it mean to be the Messiah? What must one do to fulfill that role? There are a number of prophecies in the Old Testament that describe the nature, the actions, and the characteristics of the Messiah. Some put a number upward of about 300. Uh, The number varies from scholar to scholar. But Matthew begins by laying before us three very important things. First, he says, The life, the person, and the works of Jesus tied directly back to the law and the prophets the old testament the person works of jesus tied directly back to the old testament secondly that jesus is the son of david a messianic title the son of david and thirdly that jesus is the son of abraham who fulfills the abrahamic covenant Matthew starts out with these words, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Genealogy, that word in the Greek is Genesis, means origin or beginning. Literally, the words here are the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ. We want to understand the audience that our our author here, Matthew, was writing to. He's writing to a primarily Jewish audience. Matthew chose these words carefully. In this phrase, Matthew would have drawn their attention back to the Old Testament. As we find it, in only two other places in Scripture, that, that phrase, the book of the Genesis, we find this in only two other places in the entirety of Scripture, both of them at the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. It's translated in different ways in the English, but in the Septuagint, that Greek translation of the Old Testament that was available to these people back in around 150 B.C., so this is, this is the translation, that Koine Greek translation of the Old Testament that a lot of them would have been very familiar with. They would have read this in the Greek. They would have understood it and t- spoken about it in that Greek language. We find this same phrase in those two places. First of all, in Genesis 2-4, it says in the ESV, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. And literally in the Greek, It would have said, the book of the Genesis of the heavens. In Genesis 5-4, the ESV says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. Literally, they would have read it and, and seen the words, the book of the Genesis of man. So we have the book of the Genesis of the heavens. The book of the Genesis of man. And now Matthew says, the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ. And all of their minds would have gone back to the book of Genesis. The the ESV and the others that you may have, the NIV, they're perfectly good translations. We don't use the word Genesis too much, do you? I don't. But but the original text would, would have caused them to start thinking. Matthew's Greek-speaking Jewish audience would have quickly picked up on this nuance. And, and he's saying to them, look, something new has begun in Jesus. And at the same time, this goes all the way back to creation. The fall and God's plan of salvation for us. We we can see this intent of Matthew as we read through the first few chapters here and as he brings our attention to these Old Testament prophecies in chapter 1, verse 23. He quotes Isaiah and said, "Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel." In chapter two, verse six, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In chapter two, eighteen, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted. Behold, they are no more. In chapter three, verse three. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Matthew is recalling their attention to all these Old Testament prophecies. He's saying, this is what's going on with Jesus. Look at how it ties back. His origins, his his genesis are of old. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you... Did you see that quote that he did in, in, in chapter 2? But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. And he stopped the quote there, but, but don't think that the rest of it was lost on his audience. The rest of it is, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Isaiah said that the Messiah would be Emmanuel, God with us. He also said that the Messiah would be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Jesus is the culmination of all that God has promised from Genesis chapter uh, chapter 3, verse 15, where the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head to the Abrahamic covenant to his promises to King David and Israel. The story of Jesus is the story of the Old Testament. In Jesus is brought together the whole of Scripture. It all ties together in him. Jesus is nothing new. His lineage was prophesied long before. But he brings with him a new beginning. A new covenant that covenant that God spoke of and wrote of through Jeremiah the prophet in chapter 31 of Jeremiah, verses 31 to 34, God tells us, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. A covenant that has been reiterated to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8. A new covenant in his blood, and with a hope that comes with his resurrection. The book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ the son of David. In this genealogy, Matthew is establishing that Jesus is in the line of the king. He is in the line of King David and thus has a right to the title of king. He has a right to the title of the Messiah and the Christ because it was prophesied that the Messiah would be from the line of David. In order to be the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, in order to be the one sent by God to save Israel from that which separated them from God, that which suppressed them from God and, and, and the, his promises to them, the Messiah, Jesus, had to be from the line of David. If somebody claimed to be the Messiah but was not from the line of David, they could not be the Messiah. They would be quickly dismissed. But in this genealogy, we find that Jesus is legitimately the son of David, just as Nathan the prophet spoke to David back in Second Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel 7, starting at 12, it says, "'When your days are fulfilled,' your days, David, are fulfilled, "'and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, "'who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom.'" He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Solomon's house did not last forever, but the house of Christ, the house of Jesus will. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, Jesus carried our iniquity as if he himself had committed it. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Isaiah chapter 11. Another prophecy regarding the lineage of the Messiah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Did you see Jesse in that genealogy we read earlier? The father of David. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Messiah shall come from the stump of Jesse, the son of David, This genealogy gave Jesus the credentials showing legal proof of his right to claim that messianic title. The reign as king of the Jews because the Messiah had to come from the line of David according to prophecy and Jesus was in that line of David. The book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now Matthew ties Jesus back to Abraham. As as the Messiah, Jesus brings fulfillment to that Abrahamic covenant. Back in Genesis chapter 12, God grabs Abraham and he says to him, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred In Jesus Christ, salvation has come to all the nations, hasn't it? To every nation, tribe, and tongue. What does Matthew say at the very end of this book? Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Go into all the world, preach the good news, share the gospel message. Salvation has come to all mankind. This is the book of Acts, right? This is what we've been talking about. Us going out, filling the gaps, sharing the gospel right here where we are in that sphere of influenced lives that we have. That others would come to know the truth, the historical truth of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for us in all reality. Not a myth, not a story, not for funsies, but real. Let's look at some of the people in this genealogy. We have Tamar. Her lineage is, is Unknown, actually. She's likely from the area of Chizib. She's a Canaanite, probably, because that's where Judah had taken up residency himself and had taken his own wife from that place, and, and he found a wife for his son, for, for uh, one of his sons. She pretended to be a prostitute. She deceived Judah in order to become pregnant by him. She was declared more righteous than Judah in this action, but not exactly on the most honest grounds, was it? Rahab was in this genealogy that we read in Matthew. She was a Canaanite and a harlot. Now she trusted in the Lord and gave her life into his hands as she hid the Israelite spies as they came into the promised land. Ruth, she was a Moabitess. She grew up worshiping false gods, and her mother-in-law said, go back to those false gods. And, and, but Ruth said, she cared for her mother-in-law, and she said to her, no, your God shall be my God. But she was from a nation that sent Balaam to curse Israel, and God cursed the Moabites instead. And here comes Ruth taking care of her mother-in-law, and the Lord blessed her for it. Out of that. Then we have the the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, the wife of a Hittite, the the granddaughter of David's traitorous counselor, Ahithophel. She became the wife of David after she had an affair with him. They were women listed here in the genealogy of the Messiah. Not only that, but they were women of various backgrounds. They, they didn't all naturally belong to Israel. Some of them were Gentile. They all had sin. They, they had skeletons in their closets, things they might rather hide, right? And what of the men that they were involved with? Judah sold his brother Joseph to Ishmaelites. He let his father believe that Joseph was dead, horrifically killed. He failed in his promises to Tamar, which kind of forced her to do what she had done. He pushed her into it. David murdered Uriah, sent him on the front lines, make sure he gets killed so that I can have Bathsheba for myself. He murdered Uriah, who was unashamedly loyal to David. And we could keep going. In in this genealogy, in this list of men and women, we see the floodgates of salvation open to anyone who would receive that salvation in the name of Jesus as he fulfills that covenant that God made with Abraham. Whether they are Gentiles whether they are sinners, whether they are men, whether they are women, we come before God in Jesus Christ and that salvation is available unto us, even me. All of these were accepted. Not just accepted, but included into the line of the Messiah. Not because of who they are, their sex, their heritage, or what good they have done, but simply through a faith in the Messiah that that, that looked forward to the day of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. Amen. This genealogy presents to us Jesus bringing together the, the Old and the New Testaments, tying together the whole of Scripture, ushering in a new covenant of salvation through his sacrifice. Jesus, the son of David, the rightful heir to the throne and the title of the Messiah, the son of Abraham, fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant, historically and biblically bringing the plans of God to fruition. This genealogy reminds us that every word of Scripture is potent. Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Every word of Scripture has value for salvation to accomplish the purposes of God. Isaiah 55: "As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it blood, bud, not blood, and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Every word of Scripture convicts us of some truth about God and who we are, his love for us, his plan of salvation, his righteousness. How short of that we might fall. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of men. God's word is truly an exciting thing, isn't it? Even in something like a genealogy. Dig into it. Read it. Study it. Know it. Let's recall that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's more to life than the great meals we're going to eat this Christmas. There's more to life than that Korributa ham from Snake River Farms. (laughs) Sorry, that's a personal favorite. So next time you're reading a boring genealogy, and you want to skip over it, remember that even this was written to, to put on display the salvation that we have in Christ to identify the historicity of the book and to remind us that God is a God of history, a God of reality, not the imagining of man or a made-up crutch to lean upon when we get scared. He is God. Jesus is a reality that all men will have to deal with someday for God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father God has sent us a Savior Jesus is is not just a good Christmas story but his history this is his creation, and he is designed for sin to be dealt with in one way or another. The question we need to ask ourselves is, will we have our sin dealt with through Jesus Christ? Today is the day of salvation. If you have not accepted him as your Savior, please come up to me afterwards. Come up to an elder or, or talk to the person who brought you or, or the, the member who, at Alden Union who is sitting next to you. Share with them your concerns, your questions. Come to salvation in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for you have gathered us together as a family in your name. In the name of Christ, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So, Lord, we come before you. We come before your table. We acknowledge you. As the author of history, the author of your word given to us that we might study it and know you more. Help us, Lord, to dig into it, to to know you, to understand you, to love you as you love us. We praise you this morning in Christ's name. Amen.